Well, finish the favorite old saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's how it goes. But we know it's more easily said than done. You know, I came across some interesting options. When life gives you lemonades, or lemons, squeeze them in a rich guy's eyes and take his wallet. Or how about this? When life gives you lemons, hide behind some bushes and throw them at passersby. Maybe not. Or, as someone more realistic put it, when life gives you lemons, suck it up. <laughs> you know, sometimes it can seem as, that, as if that's, that's our only option. Now, some people aren't willing to uh, take their lemons lying down, so to speak. Uh, true story, Lisa and I actually passed a guy on Highway 26. His truck was covered with life-size decals of lemons, and on both sides and the back of his truck was a prominent sign that read, I bought this lemon at, and there was the decal and the name of a car dealership you would recognize. Yikes. Well, lemons, as we know, come in all shapes and sizes, some big, some small. And a lemon off the car lot can pale in comparison to some of the lemons people have to endure. Yeah, just this week, maybe you saw an article appeared in the Oregonian about a family of nine that survived the terrible earthquake in Haiti. And then, for refuge from the fear and chaos of Port-au-Prince, they traveled to live with a family member who had settled in, of all places, Santiago, Chile. The headline read, Family Survives Haiti, Then Chile. Yikes. You know, some lemons are far more bitter and far harder to bear than others. And some can threaten to crush us. You know, our hearts, our faith, our spirits, our confidence in life, our, our confidence in God. And you know, we can even wonder, you know, if God is on our side. We wonder, what is God up to? And what am I supposed to do? Well, here's the good news from Scripture and from the lives of those who have gone before us. Whatever questions or uncertainties we face, whatever lemons life throws at us, God is with us. And together, we have a common mission. Whatever we face, we are called together to share the good news of God's love and grace so that others can come to faith and experience life and confidence in Christ, come what may. Well, today, we're going to continue our journey through the book of Acts and come together and come to another chapter in, in the life of the great missionary and Apostle Paul, right? He was not only a great missionary, he was a great lemonade maker. And we pick up in Acts chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, you can flip open. I'll just briefly go over the story and bring you up to speed. Paul is in the home stretch of his third missionary journey. He's on his way back to Jerusalem. He wants to arrive there in time for Pentecost, which was one of the great festivals of the Jewish faith, the same festival on which uh, the early church was born when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And Peter preached and thousands came to faith. It was a Jewish festival in which hundreds of thousands of Jews from around the Roman Empire would gather in Jerusalem. So picture that. 
Instead of stopping in Ephesus, Paul calls the leaders there to come and see him down the coastline in Miletus. And there he tells them, and we begin in verse 22, Compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me there. So Paul sees mighty lemons ahead. But for him, the way is clear. He must go, and no cost is too great. We continue in verse 24. He tells them, and this is the motto of his life, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. See, for Paul, the call of Christ is always greater than his circumstances and gives him meaning and purpose whatever difficulties he has to endure. So now we come to Acts chapter 21. After a tearful farewell, Paul and his companions make their way to Judea. And every step along the way, friends warn Paul about what awaits him in Jerusalem. Don't go! (laughs) Well, he goes anyway. And once he arrives, he's encouraged uh, by the apostles and leaders there uh, to take extra measures to quail rumors that he has rejected and holds in contempt the religious customs and laws of the Jewish people, which isn't true. Well, news of Paul's arrival hits the wrong ears, and one day the wrong people recognize him in the temple area. They stir up the crowd, they seize him, they drag him just beyond the gates of the temple compound, and they plan to kill him right then and there. It's a lynch mob. Well, the Roman commander gets word, and he sends a cohort of soldiers to intervene. The crowd is so riled up that the soldiers have to literally carry Paul on their shoulders to save his life and extricate him from the crowd. Now, they think that Paul is an Egyptian terrorist on Rome's Top 10 most wanted list. This is, I'm not making this stuff up. They literally think he's, he's a terrorist. Well, the commander begins to question him, and Paul assures him, No, I'm not from Egypt. My name is Paul. I'm from Tarsus. I'm a citizen there. And then Paul makes what had to appear to the Roman commander as an odd request, given the circumstances. This is what Paul said. I beg you, not could I, would I, would you let me, but I beg you, let me speak to the crowd. Instead of running from the fury, he faces the fury. Now for Paul, if life gives you a lemon, there's no time like the present to make lemonade. His passion and purpose to proclaim the good news of God's grace to the world is, uh, is so great He can't help but pass up this opportunity. Think of it. The very people who want him dead have done him the favor of gathering the attention of the entire city of Jerusalem. I mean, he's stirred up the crowd, so now the whole city is there, including the Jewish leadership and the Roman authorities. And as we see in the chapters that follow, Paul will take full advantage of these circumstances. 
Today, I want to underscore some pivotal lessons Paul offers us as we ponder circumstances in which we're tossed a major lemon in life and how we respond. Okay, we're going to touch on three of them. The first is this, you could call it life's lemon law. And life's lemon law is simply lemons happen. Okay, can you say it together with me? Lemons happen. How many agree with that? Yeah, lemons happen. They do. You know, <laughs> Jesus knew this. He knew lemons happen. This is how he put it in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Right? A pastor once quipped, if Jesus were giving a weather report about life based on this verse, it would be trouble today and trouble tomorrow. Paul himself was no stranger to major lemons and trouble in his life. He didn't arrive in Jerusalem that day without some experience. Listen to what he writes in his letter to the Corinthians, second, chap, second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11. It's quite a list. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have known hunger and thirst, been cold and naked, and besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches, namely dozens of churches he has helped start, right, through the Roman world at that time. And I know what some of you are thinking. <laughs> Paul's got nothing on me. You ought to hear my list. You know, we all get our share of those lemons in life, and we can feel the crush of everyday life and difficult circumstances at any moment. Even as a church. You know, we're living in, in tough times. You know, we're in the midst of a, an historic economic crisis <laughs> that began a year and a half ago and we can't see daylight yet. And in the midst of that and this economic crisis, what did we learn uh, early last June? That our Neighbor and renter, Tinatron, provides a vital source of revenue, had decided to put up a new facility, expand, and they're leaving in mid-May. Yikes. And in spite of all the due diligence and actions of our leadership and, you know, a skilled real estate agent, we've only had a few bites. The market's just that tough right now. Lemons happen as individuals, as families, as friends. Lemons happen as churches. Tough lemons. And the question is, how will we respond? You know, the witness of Paul's life at every stage of his journey is, don't go alone. Unite with those who love God, who love Christ, and pray. Pray with all your heart. Pray with tears. Pray to God and never give up. Because the question is going to be for churches around the world and for us, this church, in this place, here and now, right? How will we together meet the challenges that lie ahead? Whether they're financial challenges or whether they're the challenge of reaching our community and our neighborhoods for Christ. 
Well, this brings me to the second lesson, a very important one. Not only is there life's lemon law, there's the lemon lie. Yep, there's a lemon lie. And it's basically this. Lemons are the enemy. God has probably forsaken you. (laughs) It's a lie. In Hebrews chapter 13, we find this promise, which echoes the promises we hear resound in the Old Testament several times. God has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If you ever feel, if you ever hear in your head, the thought, because of what I'm facing, it must mean God has forsaken me. It's a lie. It's a flat-out lie. What did Jesus, the risen Lord, say to his followers? I am with you always, always, to the very end. I'm with you. Never doubt that. Believe it with all your heart. I am with you. You see, the enemy isn't our circumstances. But we do have an enemy we need to face. The first enemy is the one we see in the mirror every day. (laughs) I can vouch for that one. Isn't it true that in response to the lemons life throws our way, we're sometimes our own worst enemy? You know, we respond instantly with feelings of, of anxiousness or worry or fear. Or we pop into the other mode. We start uh, looking for other people to blame for what we're going through. And in response to some tough lemons and, you know, when life puts the squeeze on us, we can try to escape or unhealthy and ultimately hurtful coping habits and behaviors. It can tank us and tank our relationships. So the first enemy we need to face is ourselves. And there is another enemy we need to face. And believe me, he's at work. In Scripture, he's called the devil or Satan. And he is, according to Peter and Jesus, on the prowl. He's just waiting for an opportunity to strike at us. And and one of the uh, most subtle ways Satan works at us is to go after our weaknesses. If, if we're wavering and feeling anxious, man, he'll just pull the carpet out from under us and send us into deep discouragement and disappointment, not only with ourselves, but with others. And here's kind of an insidious one. If we haven't been through a certain situation and we see a friend going through that circumstance, we kind of step back and go, man, they really messed up. What's wrong with them? You know, life has a way of taming that little bit of pride, right? Because we all know stuff happens that we never imagined might happen. We might be the one who loses a job. We might be the one who ends up going through a painful divorce when we never thought it possible. Here's the good news. We do not have to face the lemon lie by ourselves. Someone has taken a stand for us. No one less than the living God and His Son, Jesus Christ, has taken a stand for us. And what are we called to do? It's very simple. Not rely on our own strength. Listen to these words uh, from one of the uh, disciples who had a clue about messing up big time. His name was Peter. Listen to his words. 
in his first letter, chapter 5. And here they are. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in faith because you know that your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Peter is speaking from experience. Never face the lies and discouragements and despairs of this world alone. Humble yourself before God and God will lift you up. And how critical is this? How important is this? It is so important because those we love are going through it too. Our spouses, our friends, our families, sisters and brothers in Christ here and around the world, others are going through the same pain and circumstances. Often they need us to stand tall and to stand with them. And we can do it through God's strength, through God's presence, through God's promises, through God's power. God is there. God does care. And God will get us through. And this brings us to a third lesson for today. There's the life's lemon law, then there's the lemon lie, then we come to God's lemon law. Did you know God has a lemon law? To paraphrase, God is at work in all lemons to make lemonade. Right? This is how Paul put it in Romans chapter 8. We know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Wow. Lemons aren't the enemy. In fact, God does incredible work just at those times that life begins to squeeze us. In fact, so important was this insight and experience. Uh, Jesus' brother James would write in his letter, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of any kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We get stronger when we look to God and stand together. Paul takes it even further in his letter to the Romans chapter 5. He said, We glory in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's just in those times God can do amazing, life-changing work in us. You know, it's interesting. I've seen it in my own life. It's in the seasons when I'm struggling with some of life's most difficult, most burdensome lemons that I turn to God most deeply. I trust God most deeply. I seek God's face and God's wisdom most passionately. And I sense God working in me most deeply. Isn't that amazing? If you did a chart of your life, it's often often in the valley, the dark shadow in the valleys where you sense God most powerfully present and at work in your life. Well, today, I want to welcome forward and invite you to hear how God has worked in the life of a dear sister in Christ. Um, Over the years, uh, God has had to help her become quite the lemonade maker. Uh, Her name is Adriana Blake, and I'd like her to 
Come forth. Adriana, thanks so much for your willingness to, to share from your life today. Um, uh, Adriana's uh, given me permission to share with you some of the, the major uh, lemons <laughs> of her life. Um, Adriana, you shared with me that as a child and a young teen, um, you grew up in a very unhealthy family and uh, suffered not only physical and mental abuse, but sexual abuse at the hands of your parents. Um, and then as a young adult, uh, the crisis continued, and at just deeply painful times in your life, um, you, for the sake of your children, gave up first a daughter and then a son to adoption, hoping and praying it would be best for them. In fact, there's a picture of uh, her daughter, Rochelle, when she was nine. She's now in her early 20s. And throughout your life, in the midst of it all, you've struggled with physical disability, from symptoms of cerebral palsy to a neuromuscular ailment that obviously impacts your life. And I, first of all, just wanted to ask, how, how would you say God has worked through those experiences to, to, in your life? Well, first, I've, I've been given this panoramic perspective so that I can see all the way along that one, he's never forsaken me, and two, He's given me gifts so that I can bless others based on the early hurts. Well, and I know that one of the ways God has helped you cope through some of those seasons has been a love for art. And, and in fact, it was uh, uh, the need for art supplies that took you to a, a local shopping store uh, 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 last year. And you had an interesting experience that I wanted to lift up today. Uh, what did you see in the art aisle that day? I noticed a young man who um, was just standing in the same place for an awfully long time looking at art supplies and then I felt this tremendous heaviness just laying over him and I saw that there were coupons right in front of me so I decided to use that as a way to see what was going on with them. And so I offered him a coupon, and he asked me if there was a job that came with that. And <laughs> wow, that was a telling comment. So how yeah, did you follow up? I prodded him saying, oh, so you just lost a job? And he said yes, and he'd never not worked before, and now found himself homeless in this very rough economy. and. He was feeling like a major failure. He had two sons. He had promised he'd never leave the area and be away from them. And so then add the next layer of failure onto him mm -hmm. um, through his own thinking that he had to leave because there were just no jobs he could get here. Wow. And so what did you do at that point? encouraged him to see it as a temporary thing instead of a permanent one um, that even if he did have to leave it didn't have to be forever and he could still stay in their lives by internet telephone visits and you offered one more thing too oh yes I um, asked him if I could pray for him 
And that was a little scary for me <laughs> to, you know, ask a man anything like that. Um, but I just sucked it up and did it. And, <laughs> and how did he respond? He was very receptive. Um, I, my intention was to take those prayers, you know, home with me rather than do it in the store, which didn't feel so right mm -hmm. at the moment. But then something really unexpected happened. Yeah, after I had offered to pray for him, he started taking things out of his pockets, um, items of the art supplies, and putting them back on the shelves. And he had very deep pockets. They just kept coming. <laughs> I, I saw the clowns in the car and, you know, wondered how many more clowns were in his pockets. Yeah. And so how did, uh, what happened after he got everything returned to the show? Well, I didn't want to say a word. I didn't want him to think I was judging him. I just kind of held him right in there. And when he was through, he um, turned to me and put his hand on my shoulder and said real gently, a heart can really convict you. And the Holy Spirit just popped out of my mouth and said, or set you free. Wow, wow. And uh, how did the conversation close? Um, I invite him to come to church. I could tell that he had some roots in faith and I told him how to get here or just encouraged him to go to, you know, whatever his root church was. And that a lot of churches have some counseling available mm -hmm. for his depression and so and some place to find some support. Yeah. yeah. And then and then as as he departed and you were getting ready to depart, you noticed some one more thing that was very telling. There was a store employee hiding kind of behind some towels with a walkie-talkie, and obviously was watching everything that was going on. And that's kind of what hit me that he. If he hadn't put that stuff back, he was going to be arrested. Wow. And that's a different way to get three hots and a cot. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> so when you said, or set him free, you weren't kidding, no. as it turns out. And well, what, what did an experience like that say to you? Um, I had been brought up to think that I couldn't offer anyone anything positive or make a difference in anyone's life in a positive way. So this experience showed me God's opinion is the only one that counts. And he, th he felt he could use me and he did. And it, it brings me great joy and lots of goosebumps just thinking of this experience. That's tremendous. Let's say a prayer for Adrian as she goes to her place, loving God. Thank you so much uh, for being with Adriana throughout her life, through the best of times and especially through the worst of times. Thank you for creating her a heart of love and compassion, a heart filled with the Spirit of Christ. Thank you for the ways she is touching the lives of others, and thank you for helping her to show up that day in the art aisle. Lord, help us to all be reminded. Um, 
that we can have an impact we never imagined when we open our hearts to you and to others. Continue to bless Adriana in her life, in her art, and as she continues to seek to follow Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Can we express our thanks to Adriana for her? Thank you. Thank you. Help someone for admirers if you work there. Okay. (laughs) Well, the reality is that together we can help one another in the face of life's lemons make some astounding lemonade. I mean, we can we can bring the love of Christ to any circumstance, and it could change not only our lives but another person's life. We can experience what Paul experienced. That we can do all things through the one who strengthens us. Let's pray. Lord God, how I pray you would meet each one of us today at the place of our deepest hurts and needs. Help us to believe with all our hearts that you are with us and you are for us. Help us like Adriana to believe that whatever circumstances we have endured, whatever situation we now face, you can lift us up, you can lead us through, and you can help us together make a difference in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, help us to take to heart and believe what Paul came to believe that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from your love for us that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.